Well, happy Easter once again. You know, the story's been told of three sons who go off on their own to, to prosper, and then they gather back years later to, to tell each other of the marvelous gifts they've each gotten their elderly mother. The first son boasts, well, I got mom a mansion to live in. Second son says, well, I got mother a Mercedes with a driver. The third son says, well, I think I have you all beat. You know how mom's eyesight's gotten so bad, but how she used to love to read her Bible? Well, I got mother a parrot that's memorized the entire Bible. <laughs> all mama has to do is just say the chapter and verse, and the parrot repeats it word for word. Well, a few weeks pass, and mom sent out her letters of thanks to the first son. She said, thank you for the mansion, but it's just... So big, I only live in one room, but I got to clean the whole house. To the next son, she said, thank you for the Mercedes, but my eyesight's gotten so bad, I really don't go out very much anymore. Besides the, well, the driver, he's kind of rude. To the third son, she said, oh, my dearest son, you know just how to please your mother. Thank you for the thoughtful gift. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> This, uh, this sermon is, uh, I'm not auditioning for any roles on TV, but this Easter sermon is titled, Seeing Jesus. When your eyesight isn't good, you can mistake a parrot for a chicken. So too with Jesus, not saying he's a parrot or a chicken, but without the proper eyesight, you will not see Jesus for who he is. This is what happened to Mary Magdalene in our passage that we're just about to read. She sees, she sees Jesus and she gets him wrong. And you know, countless people do that today too. They, they see Jesus and, and they, they think they understand who he is, but they, but they get Jesus wrong. Let me ask you, do you see Jesus the way Jesus wants you to see him? Do you see him rightly? Today's passage is from John's Gospel. It's verses, uh, chapter 20. No parrot here. I'm going to have to read it myself. Uh, chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. It's uh, in your Pew Bible on page 906. If you want to look there, we're actually going to be looking around that passage a little bit as we go through. But let me give you a quick backstory because there's four scenes in this chapter and there's one before ours. The first part of, of chapter 20. Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb where Jesus had been laid and it is empty and she runs back and she gets John, the gentleman who wrote this letter we're about ready to read, and she gets Peter and they run back to the tomb. They look inside, they see it's empty, but the grave clothes were all folded nice and neat and laid there. And they think, how odd. John comments that he and Peter saw and believed and left. But Mary lingered. John chapter 20, verses 11 through 18. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the foot, feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? 
She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet to ascend to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If we want to know God, if we want to know his will, if we want to know his way, we must know his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this word to us. It's a story in the past, but it's a a true story to be received by us today um, with hearts that are filled with joy in what you've done for us. We do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to not just see Jesus, but to understand the facts and, under, and see him as he would have us to see him, we pray. Amen. Well, if your Bibles are open to chapter 20, you're going to see there are four separate accounts that John tells us about. And there's a common theme that runs through them all, and it's, it's just one word, the word saw. In, in the first section, in the first scene, Peter and John run and look at the tomb, and we read that they saw and believed. And then in the passage we just read, right, in verse 14, Mary saw Jesus alive, standing right in front of her. In the third section, right after ours, all the disciples are gathered in this locked room. Somehow Jesus comes in. Everyone's there except for who? Thomas, right? And, um, and then we see that they, that they saw the risen Lord, and they were glad. And then in the last scene, we see... All the disciples, including Thomas now, and then the disciples were telling Thomas that they had seen the Lord. And what did Thomas say? He said, unless I see his wounds, I will not believe. People are still saying that to this day, are they not? Unless I see myself, I will not believe. You know, I think it's almost as if John knew when he's writing this. He wrote it for people who couldn't see Jesus in the flesh so that people like you and me could believe. That's what he says at the end of this chapter. It's as if John knew that there would be reluctant skeptics like some of us gathered here, like I was 20 years ago. They saw and believed. So it's critical that you and I see this true and resurrected Christ. For in seeing him and understanding him and receiving him as our resurrected Christ, we too participate in his resurrected life. Now, our passage, though, tells us something important. Seeing is not enough. You can see something about Jesus, but without understanding the facts of what you see, you will not become a real believer. Now, in our Scene, we have six little incidents for us to explore, to explore the facts so that we can not just see, but so that we can under, understand and know Christ. First incident we see in verse 11. What is Mary Magdalene doing there? 
Well, she's doing the opposite of what Peter and John had done in, in the earlier verses. They saw the empty tomb, and they believed, and they went back to their homes. But Mary Magdalene remains standing, and she's weeping. Peter and John realized that the hunt for Jesus' corpse was a waste. They knew that something stupendous had occurred. But as verse 9 states, they didn't fully understand what they saw. Why? Well, here's what verse 9 says. It's not in your passage. It's, it's in just prior to it. It says, because they didn't yet understand the scriptures, that he must first rise from the dead. You know, perhaps as they were leaving, they turned to the weeping Mary and encouraged her to go home too. Come on, Mary. He's not here. It's a waste of time to linger. But she didn't come to the same conclusion that it was a waste of time. And her determination pays off in the next incident, the second one we see in verses 12 and 13. You know, perhaps you remember the picture that circulated the internet back in 2011. A Navy SEAL named J.T. Tummelson had died along with 29 other military personnel, including 17 Navy SEALs. Their helicopter was shot down as they were trying to rescue four Navy SEALs. The story is depicted in the book, which became the movie, The Lone Survivor. Hundreds attended JT's funeral, including JT's trusted chocolate lab, Hawkeye. Hawkeye followed JT's casket as he was carried into the makeshift chapel. And Hawkeye did what he had always had done. He laid down in the presence of his master. In life and now in death, Hawkeye wanted nothing more than to lie in the presence of his master. The tickets, the, the picture's still on the internet if you want to look it up. It's something to behold. Now, in life and in death, Mary wanted to be near Jesus, to lay at his feet one more time and to mourn. Perhaps this is why she isn't even phased when she sees the two angels. They ask Mary a question, why are you weeping? And, and Mary ex exclaims, they have taken away my Lord and I don't know where they've laid him. To Mary, it's obvious that someone had taken his body and removed it. But who and to where? Mary wanted to be with the dead body of her loving teacher friend who had changed her life. She was devoted to him in life, and she was devoted to him in death. The third incident is in verses 14 and 15. As soon as those words roll off her lips, she turns around, and who does she see? John says she saw Jesus standing. She saw him, and then there's a but, but she did not know it was Jesus. Now, some commentators say that she was weeping so much that she couldn't identify Jesus through the tears, and we've all experienced that before, right? We've had tears in our eyes. We had to wipe them away before we could see things clearly, and it's possible that that played a part. But as you read the rest of the gospel accounts, you come to the conclusion that the resurrected Jesus, there's something about him that's the same, but then again, he's not the same. 
in this next chapter, chapter one, Jesus stood on the beach. His disciples who knew him so well were just in the water trying to catch some fish. They saw Jesus and they, they didn't recognize him. It wasn't until Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side. And then they caught this miraculous catch. It was then that John knew who Jesus was. He whispers in Peter's ear. And for some reason, Peter puts on a coat and jumps in the water and swims to be with his Lord. There is something about the risen Lord's body. Its appearance, it's, it's similar, and yet it's different enough that you cannot recognize him after the resurrection. Mary Magdalene saw this Jesus. Mary turns and sees Jesus face to face and didn't know it was Jesus. It never even entered her mind. Who did she think this person was? <laughs> the gardener. Now, for those of you who are a little bit skeptical about these stories, this is wonderful evidence here to believe that this story is true. You know, one of the arguments that skeptics have for this not being a true story is they say, you know, Mary was so distraught. She was so beside herself. She was so out of her senses that she is willing to believe anything. And, and skeptics say that Mary saw the gardener, but she was so hysterical and she was so wanting to see Jesus that she imagines that the gardener is, is Jesus and tells the story. That's what the skeptics will say. With pride and with arrogance, skeptics will read this story believing that they have the key to unlocking the truth to how, to how, um, how wrong all those poor gullible Christians are to believe these stories despite all the evidence against. Now, what's the problem with this reasoning? The problem is they turn everything upside down. The story doesn't say that Mary Magdalene saw the gardener and said, ah, it's Jesus. No, what took place? No, the story says that Mary saw Jesus and she goes, ah, the gardener. Mary's response is the furthest thing from hysteria or hallucination. She's actually seeing the Lord of glory, and she thinks it's the gardener. She hopes that he can point her to where the body is. You can't get more down-to-earth and real than that. The fourth incident is in verse 16. Dick Lucas, great preacher from England, whom I'm indebted to this morning on his teaching, he sees an important clue in this verse. See, in case our skulls be so thick, this clue will help us to, to, to not only see Jesus, but remember, it's not enough to see Jesus. We under, need to understand the facts as Jesus gives them to us. Um, at first glance, it, it appears as if Mary finally sees, right? Well, in verse 16, we read, Jesus said to her, Mary, and then she said to Jesus, Rabboni, okay, which means teacher, Jesus says Mary, Mary says Rabboni. She's right, but something is now wrong. John's little detail, his little clue here, shows us that we can, that we, we can not only see Jesus, but also we need to understand him in the facts that he gives us. See, John knew that many of his readers wouldn't know Aramaic. Aramaic is uh, the language that Jesus and fellow Jews used um, during that time frame. 
And he explains to them, the word Rabboni means teacher. Now, it's helpful if you compare, you compare her response to Thomas's, the doubting Thomas, just a few verses later. Jesus, Thomas says, I, don't, I won't believe unless I see. And what does Jesus do? He appears in the room with Thomas. And Thomas is like, what does he say? His response was what? My Lord and my God. Quite a different response than Mary. Mary says, teacher. But Jesus is truly Lord and God. She shows us that it's not enough to see Jesus. You must properly understand the facts. In the fifth incident, we're moving along pretty quickly, aren't we? The fifth incident, Jesus challenges Mary Magdalene's conception of who she thinks Jesus is. Mary Magdalene was overjoyed to see Jesus again, right? And so she either grabs his arm or gives him an embrace. But look how Jesus responds. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, it's kind of odd, do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Do not cling to me. Doesn't that sound like I'm just a little bit like harsh, right? You know, Jesus had always allowed his followers to cling to him. The woman with the blood flow that, that didn't stop flowing for years just reached out and grabbed his garment and she was healed. Remember the, the, the sinful woman who um, likely was a prostitute who, who came before Jesus died and, and wept at his feet and rubbed uh, expensive ointment and perfume on his body. She clung to Jesus. Little did she know that she was actually preparing Jesus' body to go to the cross. So all kinds of people had drawn near to Jesus in the past. And Mary was one of Jesus' closest followers. She loved Jesus deeply. Why? Well, one day, her and some friends who were distraught and troubled and plagued came to hear Jesus preach. He preached about the kingdom of heaven. And then afterwards, Jesus mercifully healed her of seven demons. Until she met Jesus, Mary's life was filled with terror and anxiety. But Jesus made her whole. Jesus changed her life. And he still does so to this very day. And now Mary reaches out to touch him and she receives a no from Jesus. Why? Dick Lucas says this is amazing language. No fiction writer would ever write this. Jesus' reply is extraordinary. What, is, what does it mean? Jesus is saying, don't touch me because that way of relating to me, I'm sorry to say, is over. I'm now the risen Lord. And I will be, be ascending to where I came from to sit at the right hand of God Almighty, my Father, who can be your Father too. What was Mary's issue? She couldn't see the complete Jesus. She saw part of him. She saw... Jesus, the human being, she saw his humanity, but she could not comprehend or wrap her head around Jesus's divinity. Jesus was both fully human, but also fully God, God in the flesh. The beginning of John's gospel talks about that. John chapter one, go and read that if you want to see more about that. 
But you know, many people today will say that Jesus was only a man, but a great man. Just a teacher, a rabboni. But if you read the Gospels and you allow Jesus to speak to you, not some teacher that you had in some sort of world religion uh, summary class you had in college or high school, let Jesus' words speak to you and you will see that this historical Jesus of Nazareth is also God's son in the flesh. Remarkable. Mary thought purely of Jesus' humanity. Mary simply thought that Jesus somehow managed not to die. And you know, it's true that when Jesus walked the earth, he always seemed to escape trouble, right? Every time someone came to get him, he somehow mysteriously got away, except when he willingly offered himself to be crucified on our behalf. So, Mary... Mary thought that since he didn't really die, because he didn't really die on the cross, he's alive, I can go back to living life with Christ the way we had before and, and being near to him and, and just having my master speak words of comfort to me, to have him close by. She thought things were going back to normal, but, but Jesus is saying, Mary, something cosmic is at play here. The facts are that I've risen from the dead. I'm soon going to the Father. Now go and tell the rest of the brothers so the whole world can know this. See, Jesus had finished his task that his Father had given him. The Gospel of John describes how God sent his Son into this world. Uh, it's hard to wrap our heads around, but the Trinity, the God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons in one. It kind of boggles your mind to think of, but Jesus is the eternal Son of God who left glory in heaven and, and entered into the very universe that he created. Think about that. God entered the world in which he created. He took on human flesh. He walked among us. Why? To teach us? Kind of, but more than that. More so that, that, so that he could do for you what you can't do for yourself which is to restore your relationship with God that's been tainted and marred and corrupted. And so that you can have not just an earthly life with Jesus, but eternal life in the age to come. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we hear these amazing words. They're from Jesus' lips. Here's what he says. He says, For God so loved the world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you don't understand that about Jesus, you're not seeing him clearly. He came so that people like you and me can be redeemed, restored, loved, shown mercy from God, so we can be brought back to the God who made us. And that's what we celebrate here this Easter. Christ lived the life that you should have lived, died the death that you deserved, and he's risen to new life so that if you believe in him, his life becomes your life. And his promises become your promises. And his father becomes your father. And his God becomes your God. These are the facts that Mary needed to know. These are the facts that we need to know if we're to see Jesus properly and comprehend him correctly. We must see his humanity. We must see his deity. They go together. But also we must see his mercy and his love and his grace that he gives us. Jesus told Mary, I've done what my father asked me to do. I'm soon to return to him, and I'm going to take you 
to my Father and your Father, to your God and my God, if you will, but let me. Question is, will you let Jesus take you to your God, to your Father? That's what Easter is about. Perhaps you're here and you're still just trying to wrap your head around um, kind of what we're talking about. It's a lot. I remember when I came to faith in Christ, I was, came kicking and screaming. And it was about three months of like study and, and reading books and reading scripture and kind of having my conception of who Christ is kind of dismantled, but then put back together according to Jesus' own words. I encourage you to do that if you're still trying to figure that out. We've got some free Bibles on the, on the table in the back. I encourage, uh, I wouldn't maybe go to Leviticus first. You know, I would maybe uh, go to one of the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Read through it. Ask three questions. Who's Jesus? Why did he come? What does it mean to follow him? Who's Jesus? Why did he come? What does it mean to follow him? The scene ends with Mary Magdalene rejoicing on her way to find the disciples. It's the sixth incident. You know, no longer does she say, I have found my teacher. What does she say? She proclaims to all who will listen, I have seen the Lord. The best thing you and I can do this Easter morning is to ponder our need for Jesus Christ, to see him, to take in the facts, and to place our hope and trust in him and embrace him like Mary Magdalene. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that countless generations have looked back with eyes of faith and seen um, through the skepticism, looked at the stories, uh, seen Jesus, but also heard from him. We pray that this would be true for all of us here this morning. For those who have yet to place their trust in Christ, may they do so now. Father, may we rise and rejoice around your table as we celebrate this miracle of Easter. Amen.